feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, it was great talking with Lindsey Graham earlier today. And Lindsey Graham from South Carolina has a good stake into why we got to get tough on the cartels. Of course, he, as I mentioned, they're from the Palmetto State. And you hearing the stories, oh, my goodness, of what these people went through. These are the four Americans who went down to Mexico for a medical procedure for one of the gals. It was like a tummy tuck, and it was like a, a reoccurring visit that she was going down there to Matamoros, right on the other side of the U.S. border. And the horrible stories, now we're hearing that they were tortured in like a shack down there by a Mexican cartel that clearly misidentified them. And here they were, just Americans going right on the other side of the border. Apparently, it was just a few blocks, basically, from the U.S. border. That's how close it was. And it's a place they had been before. So tonight, I want to hear from you on the Rita Cosby Show. What are your thoughts about what needs to be done to get tough on Mexico? This is scary stuff. These people are ruthless. They are animals. And these cartels are full throttle. I mean, this is just a horrific story. And it is such a painful reminder that basically nobody should be going to Mexico right now. I mean, if you even look at the map of where, like, the U.S. government basically says it's safe to travel, there's, like, two little dots where it's like, maybe it's okay here, and the other, like, 500 are like, do not enter. And this just sadly exemplifies it when you hear what is going on on the other side of the border and also, sadly, what is coming over to our side of the border as well and the cost to Americans. By the way, again, in New York, the price tag anywhere from 5 to $10 million a day is the price tag to just New York City alone. And now they're building a new asylum, basically a rival center, if you will, that's going to be a 24-7 uh, things are so bad that it's interesting because even Eric Adams just a little bit ago kind of took a little swipe, if you will, at the vice president, Kamala Harris, basically saying, you know what, uh, we've got a $4.2 billion migrant crisis. That's the price that New York expects it will have to pay by come next year. And essentially, uh, you know, she's got her hands full. There needs to be an individual who is dedicated to the decompression strategy for the federal government. Someone should be at these entry points to organize a real decompression strategy across the entire country, is what Adam said at a city hall news conference just a few hours ago. And so, listen, that makes a lot of sense. And then he went after sort of Kamala Harris, basically saying, you know, she's got a lot on her plate these days. She's a little bit overwhelmed, too much in her portfolio to really focus on the border. That is an understatement. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. I'm not sure if I would necessarily say she's got too much in her portfolio. Uh, she doesn't seem to want to spend one minute on the border. I think it's much more of a concerted strategy by this White House that they clearly don't want to focus on on the border. 
And so now Republicans, I will give them credit because at least they're coming out and saying, hey, listen, here is a plan. And Lindsey Graham, who I talked to just a few hours ago, was laying out basically, you know, it's bold. It's it's a it's a very much a uh, brazen plan, but at least it's a plan. And at least it's much more than we've heard from many others. He came out and basically said it is time to get tough on Mexico, that the fact that they have allowed these cartels to thrive, which are producing fentanyl that are killing 100,000 Americans every year, it's time to get tough and it's time to send in the U.S. military to knock out their labs. He's not saying, hey, let's send in the Navy SEALs to like go mano a mano to the cartels. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is that there's a way to do sort of pinpoint strategic strikes just like they did. Think about in Colombia. He was bringing up the example like in 1999 and in 2000 in the country of Colombia. And by the way, at that point, Biden and Bill Clinton and a number of others said, hey, this is a great idea. Let's go in and maybe go after some of those producing factories that are producing narcotics that are coming and streaming across the border to America. And let's try to knock those out. And he said at that time, then Joe Biden, the senator, was supportive of this. Bill Clinton was supportive of this. A number of people, Republicans and Democrats. And so he's saying, let's not have like a plan Colombia. Let's do now a plan Mexico and go after these labs that are producing 24-7 billions of dollars of fentanyl. Why not? What do we have to lose? Is it too risky or does that drag us into some crazy, crazy all-out war with the cartels? At least I give Lindsey Graham a lot of credit, the senator. He came up with a plan. He said, obviously, this is something very personal to him. There are two Americans from South Carolina who are dead. All four of them, as I just talked about, some of the details are just horrific that we're hearing what they went through. And he said, it is time to get tough on Mexico. Take a listen to what he said just a few hours ago. Mexico is a safe haven. It is a narco-terror state. Um, the safe haven provides Mexican cartels the ability with impunity to deliver lethal doses of fentanyl into our nation uh, that is the leading cause of death of Americans from 18 to 45. And he said, guess what? Leading cause of death, more than car accidents, more than gun violence. So why is this president turning such a blind eye? Why is this president allowing this free flow of fentanyl and barely even talks about it? I mean, the problem, I think, with all of this, it's a great idea by Lindsey Graham. But will he get Democratic support? Will he get White House support? Um, obviously, I think a lot of Republicans will be on board. I think some Democrats will. I think some of the common sense ones will. And I think common sense Republicans, I think most of them on that side will. But our president doesn't even want to acknowledge, really, that there's a problem with fentanyl in this country. But at least I give Lindsey Graham credit that he's coming up with something that is at least in the form of a solution. And he's saying that they should be labeled as foreign terrorist organizations. And I think it's a brilliant idea in that regard. Then they can go after them for prosecution. They can also go after their conspirators for prosecution. And he even called out China as a conspirator 
because, of course, they're sending a lot of the chemicals and pharmaceuticals that are made to create this deadly fentanyl that's killing Americans on our side of the border. So he said, it is time to get tough. And he brought up a really interesting equation. He basically said, imagine, guess what? Imagine if indeed this was like a direct clear-cut enemy on the other side of the border attacking America. Take a listen to what he says would have happened and why this should be a good analogy of what's happening with fentanyl. Take a listen. I think John and I believe that if there were an ISIS or al-Qaeda cell in Mexico that lobbed a rocket into Texas, we'd wipe them off the planet. They're doing that times thousands, and our response is inadequate. Is it time to get tough? And do officials on all sides of the aisle and all streets across America need to bandy together just to make sure we protect especially American kids because they are the ones predominantly using this fentanyl, getting it, getting it laced into other drugs that they're taking, often online, getting it from a dealer, whatever it is. Of course, most of them are clearly not expecting it's fentanyl and it's not taking the drug it is basically murdering them. And I think people who are dealing drugs, especially the deadly fentanyl, knowingly dealing fentanyl, why are we giving anybody tied to that a pass? I love Lindsey Graham's idea. And at least it puts Mexico on notice that they better step up, or if not, they got to step away. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Lindsey Graham again saying what he thinks should happen to those fentanyl labs on the other side of the border. We're going to introduce an authorization to use military force where the United States military can go in and destroy these labs and destroy these networks if possible. Once you're designated an FTO, a terrorist organization, the second step that we'll be engaging in is give the military the the authority to go after these organizations wherever they exist. Yeah, go after them. And again, step away if you're not going to basically let the U.S. government do its job. And maybe this is a way to put pressure on President Biden. Let's see what his answer is. Oh, no, we can't do that. Well, tell that to the mother who lost two kids who died of fentanyl. Tell it to the other 99,000 plus that die from fentanyl every year in America. There needs to be an all-out protest. And in the fact that this president doesn't even seem to want to whisper the word fentanyl, it's like he won't even talk about it. It's like as if it doesn't exist. You can't sort of turn a blind eye. That's what he's been doing at our southern border. And look at the results of that. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Joe. Line five, Joe, your thoughts about all of this and, and where we're going with this migrant crisis. Hey, Rita, I just want to say that uh, Biden is not doing anything. It, it, it's all being done on purpose. Everybody knows it's for the Democratic vote. And um, Adams is just going along with it. He shouldn't be building migrant centers. He should be using the money for our citizens. It, it, the whole thing is ridiculous. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting you bring up because to have a sort of migrant processing center, this asylum center, it's a 24-7 center at a time where, just like you said, think about where all the money could go elsewhere. And yet he's trying to say, yeah, you know, okay, we're an open, we're, you know, he says, of course, New York is a sanctuary city, as is 
San Francisco and a lot of other cities. And yet he's also asking, on one hand, he's asking Biden to pay X. And then on the other, he's not disincentivizing people from coming here. Because if you create a, you know, a processing center, it's saying we're expecting to have a lot of people to process. You know, it's like uh, you can't sort of have it both ways, Joe. Do you believe he's sort of trying to play both hands? Uh, Absolutely. Adams is definitely talking out of both sides and uh, he won't cross the Democrat Party. And it's it's just just a bad, bad move what he's doing. He's taking taxpayer dollars with this migrant center and then he's putting them on college campuses to boot. It's just just spit in the face of the American taxpayer. Well, and I think first and foremost, we got to take care of our American taxpayers. And the question is, do American taxpayers, just like you're saying, Joe, want to spend their money and go, you know, toward an asylum center or go towards this? The cost of five to ten million dollars a day. I mean, that is just an outstanding, uh, shocking number and, and an inconceivable number. How can any city sustain that? How can they? Um, and then also at the same time, not doing anything about the border, uh, which is not Adam's job. That is, of course, Biden's job. And I think Adams is working, trying to work in the system on one hand, you know, making some comments about Kamala Harris, making some comments about Joe Biden, basically saying, you know, we want the money. We need the money. We deserve this. Um, but then sending again mixed messages by creating the system and not disincentivizing people from coming. I mean, he is saying there's no more room at the inn, but then it seems like there are more inns that open every single day with more and more migrants coming in. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue with your calls, everybody, when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And a number of GOP senators are bandying together, saying they're going to try to do the work that the White House won't. Listen to one of our favorites, of course, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, who came out with Senator Graham today and said that basically Biden and his counterpart in Mexico are a bunch of wimps. And number two, I don't mean any disrespect, but. Both President Biden and President Lopez Obrador, when it comes to the border and the drug cartels, have been sheep in sheep's clothing. And this has gone on long enough. Uh, if you have the will, we, we in America have the ability to help President AMLO, as some call him, eradicate these drug cartels. A sheep in sheep's clothing. So do you have any faith that our administration will actually take control of this? Uh, I don't think so. And that is the really sad reality. And that puts all of us at risk. And I think just case in point of this horrible story of what happened with these four Americans, their bodies have not been returned yet. We understand. We know that the four of them were down there together for friends. Suddenly uh, this gang opens fires on them. Uh, and then they are dragged into a, a truck nearby, taken off, put into like a wooden shack. They did arrest the guy, apparently, who was standing guard on the wooden shack. But where is everybody else? And so far, it seems that this president of Mexico doesn't really want to do anything. It seems like the cartels own him. 
Uh, there was a recent bust recently of the attorney general, basically, of Mexico, who was in the pocket. Uh, basically, the Sinaloa cartel was bribing him left and right, and he got busted in America. It wasn't Mexico that was going after him. They were happy, basically, with what he was doing. So how do we turn this around, and how do the American public feel safe and have a sense that our border is secure, especially under what we have seen are just unforgivable situations at our border? Uh, Let's go to BJ. Uh, Your thoughts, BJ, line eight. What do you think? Well, all roads lead back to Beijing. Uh, If we go into a war with uh, Mexico, we're playing it to Beijing's hands. Here's, here's what we do. The build, the, we, we finish the wall that Donald Trump started. We militarize the border temporarily, if necessary, while that's done. Secondly, we go after the Chinese economically. They cost the world $16 trillion, $16 trillion uh, through releasing the uh, COVID-19 virus uh, out of the Wuhan lab. Uh, this was part of the plan uh, to uh, attack the, the, the United States, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Lindsey Graham is right. Um, Mexico is a failed narco state, and it's it's. Uh, and this it's president kind of, is is horrible. I mean, this president down there, BJ, don't you think? I mean, there have been other presidents that at least seem like they tried. This one just seems like. I mean, he was bragging about how Biden uh, didn't add any wall and has basically been a free for all at the border. And Biden's, you know, nodding like a guppy. Yeah, thank you, Mr. President. I thought, oh, my God, it's like mowing curly down there. Go ahead, BJ. No, you're right. The guys are Marxist. They're all uh, one version of Marxist after the next that run the show down there. They're all for sale. Look, uh, that's the only way. We go to war with Mexico. We're playing into the Chinese hands. The Chinese. So, are but, but let me ask you though, Mexico. BJ. On the flip side, what do we do? Ignore it? You know, I mean, and and I don't. I'm not a big believer in going to war with Mexico. I actually thought his idea was kind of interesting. Um, the idea of going after at least the labs only. And by the way, Michael Waltz, who we've had here on the show, Congressman Michael Waltz, former Green Beret says maybe send in the drones. He kind of doesn't even go as far as a Lindsey Graham does. Neither one of them has said, like, boots on the ground. So so what are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, do we just – we can't just ignore it, BJ. No, those those may be measures that may need to be taken, but right now you have to fortify the homeland. You cannot start a, a poke, poke uh, Mexico in the eye and think they're just going to sit there uh, you have to, you know, the, the, the leaks are coming in at the border. Uh, it, that's just, by the way, that's just one area in which the, the, the country's being invaded. People fly in and out of airports every day. They come in through the northern border. They come in through chain migration and on and on and on. This is an obvious one because there, there's uh, uh, armies of narco-traficantes that are getting, that are trafficking in uh, uh, women, drugs, weapons, uh, and uh, all manner of, of mayhem. And, and you so, know, BJ, but BJ, where are the Democrats who sit there and they always talk about, okay, well, human rights, human rights. And, and you're right. I mean, you see these horrible stories of what happened to the human traffickers, um, the drug smugglers, what they do, the coyotes. Um, not only do they, sadly, these people who are coming for a better life, uh, they end up paying on one end and then they come to America, they got to pay again. 
I mean, it is frightening what happens to them. Where are the Democrats? I thought they cared about human rights. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, today is, of course, International Women's Day. So we're going to give a shout out to Hingham, Massachusetts police officer Kimberly Nuvo who brings crucial female perspective to the police force. Uh, They honored her achievements there in her community for promoting women's rights and everybody's rights. And she shared what she does on patrol as a field training officer. And she had a really interesting career. She said, uh, first of all, she finds it inspiring to be part of such a broad community that supports their town. She began her career in policing in 2015 with the Abington Police Department and then transferred to Hingham Police Department. And then, by the way, in 2020, she joined the Metropolitan SWAT team as a crisis negotiator, so she was right in the thick of it there. She didn't dream of being a police officer. She actually dreamed of being a lawyer And she says, though, on the job now, she said the most rewarding part of the profession is when people remember you for what you've done and being able to make a difference. And in fact, she cited one particular time when she was honored yesterday. She said that a particular experience stands out among many, and that is on Memorial Day 2022, while she was off duty and driving home with her two youngest children. She helped save the life of a motorcyclist at a crash scene that had just occurred. She just happened to be driving by, saved that person, and was able to get him immediately to the hospital. That person survived thanks to her great work. So a big shout-out to her and all the female officers in the United States, and, of course, men, too. Uh, What a great, great thing to have men and women both defending our streets. And we love our men and women in blue here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we've been talking about sending the military potentially down, the U.S. military, down to Mexico because things are so bad there. Uh, of course, this horrible story of the people that got taken, uh, abducted, and now we heard tortured even. It's just horrible. In a shack, apparently, they moved them also from place to place to place so people couldn't track them. Uh, This is the cartel that opened fire on four people that crossed into the border into Mexico, four American citizens, two of them dead, one seriously injured, and one person okay, but needless to say, deeply, deeply traumatized. And so Lindsey Graham has come out with a solution that's making headlines all over the place. I was talking with him earlier today, 
And he was saying, you know, listen, uh, when we did the interview for Katz and Cosby, which is at 5 o'clock, 5 to 6 on 77 WABC, you can listen to it on WABCradio.com too as well. It's an awesome, awesome show that I do with the great John Katzmatidis every weekday as well as this one, which I love, of course. Um, and so John and I were talking to Lindsey Graham and he said, it is time that we have to take the fight to the cartels. And I actually give him a lot of credit for coming up with the idea. Uh, but again, then he has to admit that there is also problems with getting Democrats on board, particularly those who have been very soft about strengthening the border in any shape and form. And it goes all the way to the top, President Biden. And so Kaylee McEnany, of course, who was White House press secretary under President Trump, said, you know what? Uh, it's like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. The only way you're going to get better is if you first admit you got a drinking problem. And in this case, uh, this president doesn't seem to want to acknowledge there's a fentanyl or a border problem. Take a listen to how she describes it. We have a White House, an entire branch of government, the executive branch, who has not even managed to diagnose the problem. You can't get to a solution until you say, here's the problem. Karine Jean-Pierre, um, have a fact check for you here. Here are seizures on fentanyl. We'll pop it up. CBP jumped from about 4,800 pounds in 2020 to 14,700 pounds seized. As Bill Malusian points out, <clears throat> seizures indicate that there's more fentanyl coming across the border. Also indicative of that is U.S. overdose deaths that have increased 800 percent in the last four years because of fentanyl use. Overdose deaths, 70,000 just last year, more than that, actually 70,000. They haven't identified the problem. And you got to identify the problem if you want to fix it again, just like AA. You know what? Yeah, I'm a drinker. I'm a boozer. Uh, please help me. That's what you say if you're in the group. That's what you say if I'm a heroin user. I please help me. That's what you. That's sort of the first step process to recuperation. By the way, if Stan keeps calling, I will be a boozer. But that's a whole other story. It's driving everybody to drinking. But he is not even acknowledging our president that there's actually a problem. How the heck are you going to fix it if he won't even talk about fentanyl? If he won't even acknowledge that the border is open? And in fact. Take a listen, because here is Alejandro Mayorkas on CNN, and it's like they're asking, is there a problem at the border? Is there this? Is there that? And for some reason, he can't get the word yes out. Yes, it is a crisis. Uh, That's not that hard to say. Homeland Security Secretary, take a listen to this exchange. Many of your opponents call it a border crisis. Do you consider it a crisis in the Biden administration? Christian, the, the, the issues that we have are extraordinarily diverse. You know, I spoke about extreme weather events. I spoke about cybersecurity. You and I have now exchanged about the threat of adverse nation states uh, that seek to infringe on our and other countries' sovereignty. You know, 20 years ago when our department was created, it was the foreign terrorists. We now have the challenge of a domestic violent extremist. When we speak about the border, we have to put it in context that this is not a challenge, and it is indeed a challenge, not a challenge exclusive to the United States. You know, Chile uh, just deployed its military to its border. Colombia has 2.5 million Venezuelans within its borders. Costa Rica's population is increasingly Nicaraguan. We are seeing a movement of people throughout the hemisphere and quite frankly, throughout the world that is historic. So the answer is, 
I can't say yes for some reason. I mean, what is the problem here? Isn't that unbelievable? He can't say yes. Clearly, there is an issue here. Clearly, there is a problem here. Clearly, the border is wide open. And clearly, I'm not doing anything to fix it. So what a bizarre thing that we're sitting there. He can't even answer a question. You you see the flow. You see the thousands upon thousands of people that are crossing our border every single day. You see the images. We're not blind. We see the numbers of fentanyl. And our Homeland Security Secretary can't even admit there's a crisis. It goes back to AA. You don't have a problem. So what are you doing here? You know, it's like. He's got to get therapy to finally admit someone needs to show him the pictures over and over again to say, yes, Mr. Secretary, this is our U.S. border. This is what's going on in the border, which you should be protecting. And maybe at some point he'll have some epiphany and say, "Okay, maybe there is a crisis here. Maybe everybody else could be right. But he hasn't gotten there yet. So how are we going to fix it? And if he can't even admit there's an issue at the border, how is he going to go further south like Lindsey Graham is suggesting, and to try to take out the labs. And boy, have we come 360. I mean, when you think about it, or I should say 180, because President Biden, again, in 1999 and 2000, was all for it in Colombia when he wasn't the president. He was all for taking those out. And we've got a much more serious issue here. And it actually helps straighten out Colombia. If you remember, Colombia is not such a bad country anymore in terms of people being afraid to visit. I know a lot of people have gone to Colombia, have said it's pretty and there's not that many. I, I wouldn't go there on vacation. I'd rather go to the Caribbean. That's a whole other story. But it changed the country a little bit and it got it for the better. And so why do we not have that Senator Biden philosophy that he had in 1999 and 2000? Why is he having a whole different philosophy now that he is president? 800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil on line two. Your thoughts about all this, Phil? If I may get two points across to you and your audience without any interruption, these are very critical points. First of all, I hope that someone out there besides me and about a thousand other people are aware of the fact that President Biden has rescinded any testing of anyone from China for COVID if they are traveling to the United States or outside of the country to the Northern Hemisphere. In other words, there is no test results required whatsoever for them. And if you recall, perhaps about three or four weeks ago, I did mention this when I called in. And by the way, you are, you are correct, Phil. You're another- correct. And excuse me, we're yeah. heading for another. I'm going to give you time, Phil. I'm going to give you time. But I but I just want to repeat that you are absolutely correct. And that indeed, um, what that means is they're getting a little softer on China, as Lindsey Graham is talking about getting tougher. So go ahead, Phil. You always have good stuff. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to have another wave of COVID coming in the next month or so. But the point is, my solution to the drug problem is very simple. You have very hard hard laid down tough federal rules that say it is it is a absolute grade a felony to knowingly adulterate a controlled substance with another another uh, chemical in this country a controlled narcotic substance which is what they're doing they're enhancing the oxycodone with the fentanyl no one takes fentanyl straight up Okay, they mix it in. I I know this for a fact because I I talked to all these people in the street who are doing it 
and I'm begging them to stop. And they laugh and they spit in my face and say, you know, go to hell. They want to stay high. And they're telling me that, look, they, they, they spice it up. It's a spiced up Oxycontin. The point is, remember all the noise that was made about the lawsuits and the deaths from Oxycontin? Hey, what happened to all that noise? Okay, they sued the drug companies. They sued CBS and all the rest of them for billions of dollars. But it's all quieted down. Why? Why aren't they doing that for the, the, the issue of fentanyl in the, in the United States? I would, send them, I would send the armed forces in there immediately. I would send 40,000 troops in. I would have planes. I'd have bombers flying up and down Mexico day and night. You stop. You stop bringing this stuff in the country or we will selectively bomb targets out of existence. Wow. So, Phil, now that I'll let you get your two points out there, and they were good ones, so I'm glad you did. Um, let me, don't you think that that's also very dangerous? I mean, the minute you're talking about sort of boots on the ground, when you're saying 40,000 and go sort of full frontal on the, uh, you know, on the cartels, and I hear you because I'm so angry at what they have done to America and uh, what our open border has created to America does so many like young people, especially like you said, they don't know that they're getting fentanyl. Nobody's going and saying, Hey, I want it there. It just happens to be in what they're taking. Um, and it's deadly and they're, they're killing our kids. I mean, there's no doubt. And that gets me so upset. Uh, but are we ready to risk it all, um, to open throttle against Mexico? And it, it seems like this president just doesn't want it. Our president and also the Mexican president. I mean, that's a disaster on both sides of the border, don't you think, Phil? I mean, I don't see either one of them stepping Uh, up. Do you? Well, the point is, you talk about boots of the ground going into Mexico. Uh, Rita, let's get real. We have evidence from from many federal agencies that the cartels are already well-rooted into the American nation. They are here. They operate in over 25 major metropolitan areas. People have been arrested and confessed to being part of this cartel or that cartel. The point is, they're invading us. We have to strike back because if we don't, if we do not stop this fentanyl madness, it's going, there's going to be a million more young people and even older ones, presumably drug addicts, who are going to die. I mean, you know, your buddy Stan would say, good, let them drop dead. No, that's not the way it works because you have innocence. We're suckered into this stuff. you got very young kids. I heard of a death of a 12-year-old kid who tried it for the first time, a chip off an OxyContin tablet, which was laced with fentanyl. That's what the doctor said. He died within within eight minutes of absorbing this thing. Uh, It is so heartbreaking. Phil, thank you for the call. That was a great call. We appreciate it. Um, And we appreciate your service. By the way, you brought up Stan. Stan has called in. Uh, Stan, uh, go ahead on line eight. I'm sure you're going to give us some epiphany. Go ahead. Well, I listen to General Phil, and uh, forget about it. I'm glad uh, we don't have him in the armed services. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, what what do you mean? Before well, you hang on, minute, hang, stand, hang we, on. We are not, stand, I stand. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to let you, but Phil is not here to respond. In fairness to Phil, uh, what's the problem? He's a he's a military guy. What is the problem with what he's trying? He's trying to save American lives. I'm trying to figure out why you have a problem with that statement. Well, I don't know, because the reality of it is, okay, everybody's, you know, the senators easily talk about invading Mexico. 
you know? Let's go in there and wipe it. Yeah, okay, I agree. There's no doubt there is a problem with this drug. There is no doubt there are people dying. Absolutely. One, what is your plan? Who are you going in after? How are you going to find them? As quickly as people put up factories, they disappear. We are dealing with not just Mexicans. We are dealing with a country that is corrupt. We know this. The generals are corrupt. Probably the president over there is corrupt. When you invade Mexico, you have invaded a sovereign nation. This is not just drugs. You will be the uh, epiphany of the world here. I'm, I'm against what they're doing. Absolutely. What I would do is definitely put thirty or 40,000 troops along the border. One, a wall ain't going to help this. Set up, put bombs in the, all along the border, put up signs, and so forth. You want to stop things from coming in? You've got to stop them at the port. You want to stop them? You've got to stop them in trucks. The key point is once we did that, and you said it yourself, well, look, there's a danger here. If we invade Mexico, my God, we have invaded a country that really won't give a damn anyway. We'll be in worse shape than before. I'm for going after the drug lords. But by the time we get to them, they would have left the country. So will the plants. Their money's already in the Antilles. They're in the Bahamas. And by the and way, so Stan, their money is also here. Now, you brought up... Oh, yeah, hang, to some hang on, yeah. hang on, sure, for sure, a fact. Sure. By the way, you brought up bomb, putting bombs. Did I hear that you, what, you want to like put landmines at the border, basically? Is that where you're going? I, uh, Rita, I have said before, uh, over a year ago, this, you know... The only way to stop these maniacs, I was before, I wanted troops there a long time ago, even when President Obama was there. I think you need to put troops there. I would put bombs. What about having there. leadership, Stan? Because we have no leadership in the White House. We our, have our, leadership, oh, but Stan, the president are, has to decide. Are you kidding me? Oh, well, are we going to invade Stan, a country? Hey, Stan, hang on. We had, this is the sequence. Oh, Mr. President Biden, I'm so glad you've done nothing basically to protect your country. Thank you for keeping an open border and letting us send whoever we want up north. Oh, you're welcome. That was basically the conversation publicly. He thanked him for not building one ounce of barrier and how beautiful that is because more people can basically come into America. Is that the kind of country you want to live in where there's zero security and he's being heralded for it? And he says, thank you, Stan. What what did Trump wanted to build a wall? Okay, he wanted to build and he built some of it. That ain't going to stop anything. You think that's stopping drugs? You put a wall up 500 miles, it ain't going to... Guess, you have Stan, to- guess what's going to stop? Not only a wall, which at least Trump started and built quite a bit of it, but also sending a message. Because guess what? If this was the case right now, Trump would be like, where's that first lab? All right, drone one. Where's that second lab? Drone two. We have a wimp in the White House, and it is creating chaos. And for some reason, you can't admit it because you got trump us. Trump, 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 Trump. Anyway, we're going to continue with our calls. 1-800-848-9222. We got spirited ones tonight. I love it. The Rita Cosby Show. Well, you've just heard from Spirited Phil and Spirited Stan, who have two very different opinions on how to handle the border crisis. I at least give. By the way, I I actually think Phil 
says, hey, go in full throttle, boots on the ground. Uh, listen, he's a military guy, and I trust his opinion, but I would be very concerned about American boots on the ground. Uh, but Stan, who's like, oh, they'll just got to keep moving and switching. Uh, let's not do anything. Uh, that ain't going to work either. Although Stan did say we got to protect our border. I've got him there. He just won't criticize Biden because somehow he thinks Biden walks on water. Again, I want to know what he is drinking. one 800 Let's go to Tommy, line one. Tommy, your thoughts about this situation? Because it's so troubling what's happening to Americans. Rita, Rita, Rita. It's as simple as this. Um, When a Democrat's in the office, they want to recruit votes. And that's why we even had the the Mariolitos when... um, they decided to empty the Cuban prisons. Right. They came okay. over on the boats. Right. Oh, yeah. I was married to a Cuban. She was a lovely woman, but not a Marielito. Uh, I was, she was Bay of Pigs. I'm sorry. But uh, not to get off it, but I think if somebody realized that the president of Mexico right now, he's trying to override his own Congress and make it a dictatorship. He's just He's like a couple of steps from that. That's the strong arm he's doing because of the money from the cartels. Well, you hit it on the head because he clearly is doing nothing to really stop the cartels. And he's like tepidly trying to do something. It is so obvious what is going on. I mean, you sit there and you watch what's going on. It is clear as day what's happening on the border. It's clear as day. And yet he's just kind of like lollygogging around and saying, yeah, well, we're sort of trying to do something. He's not doing anything. And that's a dangerous combination because when you have weakness on both sides of the border, that I think is extraordinarily dangerous for America. That's what really concerns me, Tommy. That is a real bad formula because all I care about, I don't care about Republican, Democrat. I care about American and I care about protecting our American young kids. And we've got a hundred thousand of them. And at least I give Lindsey Lindsey Graham and and Kennedy those guys credit that they're speaking out, trying to come up with some idea. I mean, these other guys are a bunch of like lollygaggers, just kind of like talking in circle back sake language, and it makes your head spin like Sybil. Uh, let's go to Dom in Minnesota. Dom, your thoughts? Yeah, Rita. The only way let's make the problem up close and personal to Joe, Kamala, and Mayorkas, which I call, who I call Larry, Cackles, and Moe. You know, when they feel the climate change in front of their homes, maybe they'll do the right thing and pull a Trump on the country. That's the only way they're going to be able to, you know, we're going to accomplish. This is not, nothing else is going to come, uh, get them to change their minds. You know, follow Greg Abbott, follow DeSantis, you know, uh, humanitarian assistance. Send these people to those places and say, hey, you got the money, you got the, you know, federal government behind you. Help these people out. I'm just sending them to you. Yeah, but do you you see them doing that, Dom? I wish, by the way, I wish. And by the way, they won't even go to the border. I mean, Kamala did a little like pop in. Biden did a little pop in. Um, You know, we talked about Eric Adams. At least he spent the day and talked to actual migrants. When Biden was down there, he didn't even talk to the migrants. So it's like, and this is the president of the United States and fentanyl is coming through. He won't even go after China. He won't go after Mexico. It is a disaster. We're going to continue talking about that and also some stunning crimes that are putting businesses out of 
production, and out of doors. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. In this hour, we are going to be talking about an outrageous proposal uh, that was made in California where a resident is saying, you know what, everybody there basically should get paid 360000 for reparations, those that qualify. Um, and he basically says that the reparations are the only way to stop juvenile crime saying that African-Americans deserve 360000 per person. And that's the only way, he says, that crime with young people will cease. First of all, that's an outrageous comment um, to sit there. I, the idea of reparations, we're going to get into that, and the fact that he thinks that that is the only way to turn this around. Uh, what about helping and inspiring young people of all races and creeds? Give them opportunities. Uh, give them a job. Um, give them responsibility. Give them morals. Give them values. Uh, but for him to say, well, the crime's not going to stop until you give reparations, that is a shocking statement. And we're going to talk about that. That comes on the heels of crime that is just skyrocketing at such an enormous amount that many major retailers are having to close their doors uh, and even small moms and pop shops and restaurants. Uh, we're going to talk about a case that happened in New York, for example. Everybody's talking about it all over the country. This video of basically a wolf pack, as they're being described, trashing a Chinese restaurant, coming over and like destroying it, leaving like $20,000 worth of damage. And you see the footage, it's like the the manager is just standing there and all the workers and the owner, they're just kind of like letting it happen because what can they do? This huge like flash mob comes in and that's what's happening to stores around this country. And there's a number, what is it, Rite Aid that's closing the stores in New York and then you've got Walmart that's closing its stores in Portland. I mean, you've got all these problems. They just can't handle the shoplifting. They can't handle the massive amounts of crime. And it is tragic. And I contend reparations isn't the way to fix it. I mean, by paying out, isn't that inspiring more crime, you know, or inspiring, you know, uh, not good values? I mean, that that's the way to fix it, that some resident actually says with a straight face in California is the way to fix it as they are talking about reparations. So we're going to talk about all of that and mostly how tragic it is that so many businesses, whether it's in New York or, you know, San Francisco, Philly, uh, Georgia, you think about it all over the country, uh, Seattle, there are a lot of businesses literally all over this country that are closing down. Memphis, too, has had the problem, a lot of them, because things are so bad uh, with the case of crime. They just can't handle the shoplifting. In New York, they are locking up toothpaste. They're locking up deodorant. There's a lot of people that I wish would have toothpaste if you saw some of the ones on the street. I wish I could buy it for all of them and say, here, please, I'm begging you, right? But they are locking it up. That's how bad it is that these items that are, like, frequently taken are, like, behind. You would think they're, like, behind Fort Knox. 
and businesses just can't afford hiring the extra security. And the security folks, what do you do when suddenly a flash mob comes in? They are outmanned, uh, some cases outgunned. A very, very scary situation. We're going to talk about all of that later on in the show. And it is also International Women's Day. And we're going to be talking to one of the highest-ranking U.S. military women, uh, former General Lori Sutton, who has done amazing work helping veterans with PTSD. Uh, She's a psychiatrist as well, and she's going to be joining us in our Support Our Heroes segment tonight. Uh, A big shout-out to her, who has been a trailblazer and also has helped so many men and women in the military with what she's done in her 20 years plus of service at the U.S. Army. That and a lot more coming up on the show. Meantime, we are talking also about how crazy the situation is with migrants in United States and especially crossing our border. The terrible story that happened, of course, with those four individuals from South Carolina, two of them killed. Now we're finding out we're tortured, too. It's just a horrible story. The whole thing is just horrific happening again, just blocks away from the U.S. border. It happened in Matamoros, right across from Brownsville. And also influx of migrants coming and coming and coming. And this is what Eric Adams had to say after he's basically reached out to, you know, the state. He's reached out to the federal government. He feels he's basically stuck with the situation. Take a listen to what the New York City mayor had to say. We cannot do this alone. And we have been doing it alone thus far. And that must stop. And the price tag for what he says is doing it alone is he was bringing up $4.2 billion. That's basically what the price tag is for 30000 plus that they expect. Even many more to come. They've got about 30000 now in the system. That's what they're feeding and housing. But they're expecting a whole bunch more. I mean, how can any city sustain that? That is an overwhelming, just outrageous number. And taxpayers are paying for it. It's happening in every single city. Now we're just hearing a price tag from a blue city mayor. And he also is now building this new, basically, facility, if you will, to bring in asylum seekers, a big whole new department and a new structure that will help basically process more. So isn't that incentivizing more to come to the Big Apple and other big cities? If they hear ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching in a big welcome center, why don't you say, hey, come on in? Here's a little bit more of him talking about the price tag for this new center. Since the city is going to have to pay a bigger amount of the share of the cost of these programs, will other city services have to be cut in order for the city to afford to deal with the asylum crisis? We spent over $650 million, I think $654 million uh, from uh, from July to February. Uh, When you look at that number, that's an astronomical number. Uh, It's estimated that... uh, this fiscal year next is going to be $4.2 billion. Uh, those are real numbers. And I said this before, and I'm, say, I'm going to say it again. Every service in the city is going to be impacted. Every service in the city is going to be impacted. Is that fair? I mean, is that fair that other things with taxpayers in this city, that services should be cut? You think about that kind of money that he just said, $654 million bucks just from July to February, aren't there certain things that maybe New York City and other major cities across this country could be using that kind of money for? Is this the best use? And he's just talking about a reduction in other services. 
Is that the way to go? Is that what you want as taxpayers across this country, whether it's in New York or anywhere else? 1-800-848-9222. Is it time to get tough across the border? And is it time to speak out about where our taxpayer money goes in the cities? Let's go to Larry. Line two. Larry, your thoughts about all of this. Okay, I want to respond, first of all, to a few things. First of all, uh, just very quickly, um, if you if if we if we uh, if we enact reparations, what's going to happen in this country is is the same thing that that happened to those four Americans that crossed the border into Mexico. The reason the cartels did that was they're trying to just show how triumphant they are. And, And by the way, Stan is an idiot. He's, I think I, I get the sense that increasingly he is not seeking out his uh, calls. He says things like, we're going to be invading a sovereign country. If anything, it's our sovereignty that's being invaded by Mexican drugs, by drug mules. Okay, so what the hell is he talking about invading? We're, we're, we're doing the reverse of what's happening to us. It's called defending yourself. And Israel's been doing that for years against an autonomous Palestinian authority that has terrorists. Okay? And by, and by so the way, Larry, and Larry, he would not criticize Biden's policies whatsoever. It was like, uh, don't you think there's a reason why it's such a free flow into our country, sadly? Uh, go ahead, Larry. Okay, and, and my second point is about Mayorkas, okay? You mentioned, you said before it was hard for him to admit that there was a crisis going on, and we, we heard the quote from him about him how there's a, a population fluctuation and migration shift, and he said, this is historic. He did not answer. He answered the question. He said there is a crisis. There's a worldwide crisis. But I, have a, but I would say to him, what the hell does that have to do with me? You see, you don't understand. This guy is a double agent. He's not just a, he's not another Biden lackey. This guy works for Obama. He, he was the head of U.S. natural citizenship uh, and, and immigration for Obama. This guy is a double agent, Mayorkas. OK, and I'll tell you right now, I suspect him because he is so brazen in his answers. And you yourself, Rita, did not even recognize how brazen he was to toy. What he was saying was to hell with this country. This is a national phenomenon. We we have open borders just like Nicaragua, Venezuela, and any other country. I mean, that's what he was really saying. To hell with the United States. Actually, this by the way, a- Larry, that's a great point. You're absolutely right. He kind of put us on the same level as all of them and basically said, well, everybody has a problem, and we do too, and basically too bad. But you're right. It was sort of like a focus, like minimizing. You're right. It was sort of us in, in the back seat, which is sadly – I mean, we're seeing a lot of this sort of sadly America last policy, don't you? I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. Well, uh, yeah, and I'll tell you right now, I suspect Mayorkas in crimes of the previous administration, and I'm going to say possibly involvement in the death of Justice Scalia, because that's how brazen this man is in his answers. Okay. Well, I don't know about that. By the way, Justice Scalia Lair was a uh, was a great judge, um, a great jurisprudence, and I thought one of the best. Um, I had dinner with Justice Scalia one time in Washington, and we talked about uh, tennis. He's a tennis and paddle. I think he does squash and all that. He was talking about all of that stuff and music. We had a great time. We were talking about music and everything else. He was just a great, great guy. But your point is a good one, that Mallorca's just kind of puts us on the same par and It's a frightening scenario, and yet he doesn't say, boy, we have to protect our homeland. What are we doing to protect our homeland? He has actually, though, Larry said when he's been asked, 
no, the border is not open. I mean, he has said that under oath. And there are people who contend uh, that he should be charged for perjury because that's clearly a lie. That clearly is not true. Uh, let's go to Robert. Line six. Robert, your thoughts about all of this. Hey, Robert, go Rita, ahead. Please. Yes, Rita, please. Let's spend a few minutes together and we can save lives. All right. So let's hear how you plan to do it. You're sharing it with not just me, but with everybody. Go ahead, Robert. Yes. There is a solution that worked before. It can work again. Congress can amend the Controlled Substances Act to make these powerful drugs illegal, reschedule them to Schedule 1, illegal like heroin. They cannot be manufactured, distributed, sold, prescribed in the United States, like quaaludes. Remember them? Yes, but let me ask you, let me ask you, Robert, because most of what is being made is being made on the other side of the border, and it's and it's 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 made in a in a way that they have a facade on the outside. A lot of them are laced within oxycodone or or things that are legal, and it's also laced. In, you know, color-coded candies that look like, you know, pills that look appealing to younger people and look harmless. So it's not on the face. I hear what you're saying. And yes, that's part of sort of, I think, what Lindsey Graham is saying is that let's make it illegal in any shape or form. Anybody who has any sort of tentacles to it, whether it's the production or the distribution of it or the selling of it. Um, any of those layers to it, because there's a lot of layers to it, go after them full throttle and prosecute. That's why he wants to call it a foreign terrorist organization, uh, because basically saying anybody who's associated with this product, they can go after them, including China, not just Mexico, uh, and obviously any Americans, certainly, or anybody else who has something to do with it. Uh, but it is a very complex problem. Uh, you bring up some great points, and, and we need to get tough. There is no doubt about that. Curtis in North Carolina, real quick, line three, your thoughts, Curtis. Well, um, I think that um, it's going to be kind of hard to uh, just surgically strike um, uh, manufacturing, although if we we can get that, I'm all for it. Um, But they are so intertwined in the population, the cartel, they're intertwined in our population now. Um, I have no problem if... We have to just fight an outright war against Mexico, period. And I think we can be down to their southern border um, in a matter of days. And and we can wrap this thing up if we just uh, flex our muscles hard enough. Well, and I think we need I to be think, I think we got to think twice. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Curtis, because it's so uh, infuriating and, and horrible what's happening to our country. Uh, but we got to figure out a way to be tough but not dragged into something in the South, uh, you know, that we're going to be having to deal with for a long, long time. And those cartels are ruthless, too. There is no doubt about it. I mean, even going after their labs, uh, they're not going to be happy about it because all they care about is ka-ching, ka-ching. And if suddenly you knock out one of their labs, contrary to what Stan said, he thinks it's like a like a makeshift tent. Some of these labs are like, you know, they're just operating in the open. They are basically look like a, like a big old facility or a big old warehouse. And I bet the U.S. knows where many of them are. They could just do strategic strikes. But you know that there will be some retribution, and that is not going to be pretty. That Even just going in 
you know, tactically or something from the air uh, is going to be still very difficult. And it's something you got to think about seriously, too, because it is a big process. But we got to do something. We can't keep sitting back and doing nothing. And uh, like our president, kind of like twiddling his thumbs all day. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Coming up on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to be talking to former U.S. Army General Lori Sutton on International Women's Day. And also, what is unbelievable is what is happening to stores across the country. Homelessness all around, many retailers, also rampant crime. Many people cannot sustain their businesses, and that's big and small businesses, And we are hearing this story over and over again. It is a story that's happening across America. In Portland, Walmart is closing its two stores. They were devastated, of course. You think about what happened in the, quote, summer of love and then, of course, COVID. Uh, But the sad thing is those kind of stores appeal to everybody of everybody economic level. You think about it. So it's depriving many communities who want to get a cost-effective item, whether it's a food or clothing or something like that, it's hurting the communities who now have to go so much further to try to get something. It's certainly hurting, it's certainly hurting the retailer. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, But it's certainly hurting also those in the community who really need a place to go to, uh, to shop. And now that store is closed down. So now they have to go to maybe a more costly location that's maybe further and be inconvenienced. And why is this happening? Because of the deterioration. Again, not just a lot of homelessness, but also particularly rampant crime. And we're talking, of course, about rampant shoplifting and these flash mobs that many retailers around the country are seeing time and time again. There's a recent case of a restaurant in Queens, New York a Chinese restaurant where they're calling it a wolf pack just suddenly came in. You see, it's like dozens and dozens of kids uh, with kind of uh, covered up. And you see they had the masks on. You couldn't really see their faces. They all just kind of swooped in suddenly on this restaurant. And you see the owner and you see all the employees basically just standing there. First of all, they're in utter shock. Second of all, they don't know what to do. They're basically so outmanned. There's suddenly this huge group of young people that are swarming and just breaking up everything in their store, uh, breaking the tables, breaking the chairs. They left $20,000 worth of damage in this small Chinese restaurant. And if you see it, it is just stunning. It's almost like a scene out of a movie. It's so horrific. And think about the damage that that does to these individuals how are these small businesses going to be able to recoup it how do they get their business back again it's going to take a long time to be able to like put their place back together and now they're afraid that those kids are going to come back again maybe right after they fix it again and they also believe that nothing's going to happen to those kids it's that revolving door of justice And I just feel so bad for retailers, big and small across this country, that are now having to close their doors because guess what? The citizens are not being protected and the leaders are not protecting the retailers. They're not doing anything to help them and they're not doing anything to help offset these incredible costs that are coming from massive crime. 
So how do we turn this around, everybody? We're going to talk about that after the break. We're also going to continue with your calls as we talk about what's going on at the border, because that's a crime. That is a total dereliction of duty if you see what's happening. And again, when we come back, we're going to talk to one of the highest ranking female military officers, Lori Sutton, right after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And joining us now on International Women's Day is retired U.S. Army General Lori Sutton. General Sutton, so great to have you here on this special day. Rita Cosby, I am just privileged beyond belief to be here. And thank you so much for reaching out and happy International Women's Day right back at you. Well, this is one of my favorite days. We get to celebrate amazing women like yourself who really have been trailblazers. What do you make of that phrase, especially in the U.S. military, especially you at the time when you were serving? You were one of 15 female generals in the U.S. Army. Uh, Not too many of them back then. Really a groundbreaker. Well, I'll tell you, I was so privileged to have wonderful mentorships, wonderful experiences throughout the years. But what I'm really most proud of, Rita, is to see how things have just blossomed. I mean, when I started in 1981, back in the dark ages, there were hardly any women of any rank. And now we've had four four star generals. We've had countless command sergeant majors and all up and down the ranks. And it's really a, a testament to the uh, really the fabric, the the character, and the you know, really the, the culture and norms of our nation that we have accelerated this process and women have been right at the forefront. And I, I'm so proud to have been part of that movement. Did you feel you were sort of unique? I mean, I think about your deployments. Um, you obviously are a decorated soldier. You served over 20 years, General. You got the Bronze <laughs> Star. You were deployed to Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Kuwait, Egypt, and, and many more. Did you realize it was sort of a unique place to see a, there was a Brigadier General Lori Sutton there? Well, certainly towards the end of my career, that was uh, uh, certainly something that I had never expected. Uh, but you know, one of my mentors, uh, four-star general uh, Schoomaker, he told me, he said, listen, he said, uh, Lori, when you become a general officer, you pin that star on your shoulder. He said, you will fight every single day for soldiers and their families. And, you know, that was the right uh, uh, guidance, I think. And I, I took it to heart. And it was just such a privilege to serve in that capacity to really lead change with respect to psychological health and traumatic brain injury. And that's work that I've continued, continued, continued today. So I'm very proud. What does it mean to you when you see young women who say, um, I look up to you or you inspired me? I think of a lot of women that I've met over my life that have said that about you um, when we've been at different events in different places saying, gosh, look at that. There's a brigadier general and a woman. What does that mean to you personally on International Women's Day? You know, it means a lot of things. One thing that comes to mind, Rita, early on in my career, you know, the folks out at Special Operations Command, there was a major there who had known of my work in the first Gulf War and reached out and really wanted me to become part of their team. And it wasn't possible at that point. 
uh, because I was a woman. Just a few years later, when I was commanding the hospital at Fort Belvoir in Virginia, one of my women medics came skipping down the hall one day. I said, hey, what's going on? She said, ma'am, I just got selected to be part of the special forces medic team. And I just thought, you know, that's how it should be. Absolutely. Well, that is a great way to finish this incredible interview. Um, By the way, your service to our country, you have been a lifelong public servant um, and 20 incredible years. And I know you're doing so many other exciting things, always helping our veterans, always helping our military, always helping our families, and also always inspiring women everywhere. And so thrilled to have you here on International Women's Day. Uh, Thank you for inspiring all of us. General Lori Sutton, great to have you here. Thank you so much, Rita Cosby. Stay strong. Great to have you here on the show, General Lori Sutton. Well, we are, of course, talking about the border and so much more. Let's go real quick to your calls on that, and then we're going to switch to talk about crime in America. Let's go to Rick, line four. Rick, your thoughts about everything. Happy Women's Day, Rita. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to the men who love us, thank you. And congratulations on the Cats and Cosby bit. Thank you. I am the luckiest person. Uh, John Katzmatidis is the greatest guy, and it is an action-packed show. I have so much fun on it. So thank you, Rick, very much. I'm glad you're tuning in. Yeah, great show. Um, I think we got to, uh, besides killing the cartel guys, I think we should seize all their money and we can pay off the national debt. I love that idea. Rick, that is a fantastic idea. We should do that. We should seize everything. And uh, and then also, by the way, not only that, I think we should take care of our veterans, uh, take care of American homeless. There's a lot of things I think we could do with that money. Great, great idea, Rick. Let's go to Victoria, line seven. Victoria, happy uh, Women's Day, too, to you, my friend. Happy Women's Day to you. Uh, I've I've been listening to you. I've been trying three times this week to get to you. It's a uh, hot show, time. Victoria. It is sizzling hot, but I'm so glad I we know, got you. <laughs> I know. So I'm glad that I'm on now. And I just wanted to say that I think the problem is our country is kind of uh, money conscious, like tinkling, tinkling, tinkling the monies. And the kids have that. Oops. Hey, Victoria, we're losing you. We're losing you. But 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 you're right. I think it's this process of kids are having access to money. Kids are having access to drugs. And sadly, I think some of it's social media. They're buying it online. They're buying it on the Internet. They're seeing about it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, they're not intentionally getting fentanyl, but so much of this stuff is laced with it. And I think it is causing so many many problems. And that is a huge, huge issue. Victoria, thank you very, very much. And everybody, we've been talking, of course, about crime uh, on both sides of the border, but really scary stuff that's happening in our streets across America. Uh, Case in point is the fact that Walmart, by the way, is closing all their Portland stores. They just have a few left and they're closing them after theft has risen so dramatically that they just can't afford it. Rising crime and homelessness has basically pushed them out of business outside of Portland. And a lot of you see it almost every major city across this country, you see it in New York and elsewhere. Um, heartbreaking scenes of robbery, crime, these flash mobs. Uh, you've got all this. It's just a cauldron for disaster. And one of the most recent cases that just was shocking. If you haven't seen the video, you got to see it. It is just shocking. It's this wild video 
basically of a whole bunch of kids suddenly swarming on a Chinese restaurant in Queens, New York. They're calling it sort of a wolf pack. They went in and just destroyed the place. This mob of young people went in and were like trashing the place, throwing the chairs, throwing the tables, doing all this stuff. It was horrific. And you could just see the owner and the people that worked there were just stunned. They didn't know what to do. They were afraid to do anything because they were so outnumbered. And it was just a frightening situation. And this is happening across this country. What is going on with young people and what is going on where they feel so brazen? Just, hey, for the heck of it, let's go in and destroy a small business that who knows if they'll ever be able to recuperate. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of sound uh, from that restaurant that was trashed by a flash mob. And now what the f***, And now what the f***, here! Scary stuff. You can just hear it breaking, trashing everything. And here is the manager talking about what happened. So from start to finish, it, it lasted less than a minute. Okay, so they were just... Uh... I didn't, didn't, didn't say a word coming in or, in or out. He was scared. Uh, him and all his staff were just uh, uh, terrified because they just came in and all of a sudden. And they're scared now that they're going to come back. And, and they don't know what to do. Should they stay here? Should they not? Uh, you think about the How about the guy in the bodega? Remember Jose Alba, who was just defending his bodega? And then the guy comes over and attacks him, tries to stab him. He shoots the guy to protect himself, and then Jose Alba gets charged with a murder. Remember that? And thank goodness there was such furor that the charges were dropped. And I just heard today that Jose Alba had now went back to his home country because he's too scared to live in New York. How sad is that? What message does that send to people? Well, here is a little bit from Ainsley Earhart, who says, you know, the sad thing is if they catch these young thugs that did this to this Chinese restaurant, to these nice people who are just trying to have a business, uh, guess what? She thinks they'll be part of the revolving door of New York. This is someone's business. Someone worked really hard to buy every chair, to buy every table, to pay for the staff. The staff might quit because many of them are scared. We're seeing this all over. It's not just New York. Walmarts, two of the Walmarts in Portland are closing down now. Mm -hmm. 600 employees will be without a job. But let me tell you what should happen. They should be arrested. They should have to pay for the damages. They should uh, have a criminal record now. Will they be? I'll tell you what will happen because it's New York. Unless you basically murder someone, you don't get in trouble here. They're in hoodies. They're in masks. Will we be able to even find out who did this? If we were, they would be either charged as juveniles or they'd be right back out on the streets. And that is the sad thing, that they will be back out on the streets. And by the way, this is, speaking of Looney Kazooieville, this is just shocking. There is a California resident who was at a big press conference in California And he basically came out, you know, there's been a discussion about reparations given to African-Americans there from resident, you know, from the state of California. Right. They're talking about, okay, well, there should be reparations. Again, how far back do you figure it out? There's so many issues of all that stuff. And should reparations ever happen? There's so much, of course, about that. Well, this California resident came out and said, basically, the only way to stop juvenile crime is for reparations, is to pay basically every juvenile $360,000 a person. Oh, that doesn't incentivize anything whatsoever, right? 
listen to this nut. Take a listen to him. One thing that would stimulate this economy, and I need you to spread the word what you heard to Governor Gavin Newsom. And that one thing is capital, money, reparations. That will stimulate this economy for the 2.6 million blacks in California. There's only one thing that would stop our children from busting into these liquor stores and grocery stores, stealing junk food and, and stealing different things, and that's reparations. There's only one thing that would stop our kids from busting into these jewelry stores, stealing watches and jewelry, and that's reparations. Is there anybody out there who thinks that paying a young kid $360,000 and others is going to change around crime? Doesn't that basically incentivize people and say, hey, you know, uh, you don't have to work. Don't worry about it. I, I, I hate the idea of reparations, period. But also for somebody to say reparations is going to start crime, I think that's an outlandish statement on so many levels. And listen to what Lawrence Jones, he's an African-American conservative, had to say about that. I can't even get into the the argument about reparations because I'm so stuck on the point of that if we don't do this, then you guys will be less than. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a it's just like implying that it's just black people out here that are doing all the stealing. Um, It's implying that we don't have successful businesses out there. I mean, we just saw a prior administration that provided opportunity zones and got government out of the way. And we saw black women were the leading women uh, in in small businesses. Uh, We we have the modern day black Wall Street in Atlanta. I mean, we have so much that was taking place. And then you have the Democrats saying, well, we need to give you some money because all you guys do is steal. Mm -hmm. I mean, at at its core, the argument was racist. It is an outrageous comment and a terrible solution to what really needs to happen is getting tough on people, no matter what their race or creed, and just going after people who are committing crimes, whatever the age is. Stop, like, giving them a slap on the wrist. Let them know that there needs to be punishment. And again, that's whether you're white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. A bad person, if you're breaking in and destroying a Chinese restaurant like this, uh, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It's called a thug. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John. Line one. John, your thoughts about this? Hey, Rita. Uh, with that reparation comment is, well, let's put it this way, that is not the solution. Because right now, all across America, there's billions of dollars stolen. There's people walking out with $1,000 worth of thievery every day. There's people that broke into jewelry stores that walked away with a hundred grand of jewelry. You think uh, if you give somebody $300,000, they are going to stop? No, because crime is crime. And the only thing to stop this is I, I was one solution I was thinking of. Everybody's scared of this thing called convention of states. Everybody's scared that, you know, you could turn around the whole government. It's all crap. I, to me, I think if you do the convention of states, let's list down the most important things. The people who are supposed to be doing the job as a crim, uh, you know, a prosecutor, do the job as a prosecutor, not a criminal defense lawyer. Because uh, somebody's walking out of CVS with, a, what is it, in California, as long as you steal less than $1,000 a day, 
You do that over over you know three hundred days, there's your three hundred thousand dollars that everybody keeps stealing. It's not anything to do with race or color. It's that people are taught to be criminals. Absolutely. And that's what the Democrats are doing. And you can't reward bad behavior. Uh, great points, John. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Rampant crime is driving businesses to close their doors. It's happening all over the country. And many, many big and small stores just can't handle the onslaught of criminals, especially these flash mobs. And we were talking about the case recently at this Chinese restaurant where they were just shocked, stunned that suddenly this big pack of you know, juveniles came in, mob of youths trashing the restaurant in Queens, New York. And it's going to take them a long time to fix it. And then you've got on the other side, uh, this loony Kazuni, this guy in California who says, well, reparations are the way to fix crime. I, I mean, I want to know what he's smoking. one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Uh Let's go to Robert, line three in Philly. Robert, your thoughts. Hey, Robert. Hello, yep, go ahead, yes, Robert, Rita. real quick. Yeah. Real, really sorry about that. This is nothing new. I remember back in the 70s here in Philly, they had what was called food deserts because stores had left the inner city, bad neighborhoods because of crime. Yes. They came back, things got better, and now the Democrats took over and they're back to where they were again. So businesses are leaving, people can't shop, people don't have jobs. And you know what, Rita? I frankly don't care. The people voted for it. They let their kids run wild in the streets. I frankly don't care. I'm outside what, of you, you, What, you believe what they're getting, what they deserve? I mean, I, I feel like, you know what's interesting, Robert? I, I mean, I'll give so it, but hang on one second. You know what's interesting? In Like in New York, they voted for Alvin Bragg, and he told everybody it was going to basically be soft on criminals. But I know people who voted for him who are now having voters' remorse because they just, I think they didn't, it didn't really sink in how much a soft on crime prosecutor is going to destroy your community. Uh, your thoughts about that, Robert? I mean, do you think people then, really understood it? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think they cared. And I still don't think, I'll tell you what, he'll get the same number of votes next time. People who lost family to murderers because of this guy will vote for him again. And I said it before, this country will not heal until the Democratic Party returns to normal, and the Democratic Party will not return to normal as long as African Americans monolithically vote for whatever they give them. I don't like saying that, but I just feel that's just a fact. Although, you know, it's interesting, you know? but you know, it's interesting, Robert, I know a lot of people in many different communities across, you know, all over the country, um, you know, African Americans, Hispanics, uh, you know, everybody. Um, and there are a lot of people that are, I think are fed up clearly with crime and it's affecting their communities. I mean, I just brought up the example. A lot of these stores that are closing down um, are in communities where a number of individuals really need them and, and they're feeling the effects of crime and, and they have their own small businesses. And they're, you know, there's so many good people all over the country uh, that are just so overwhelmed by what they're seeing. I, I think hopefully next time we'll see a bit of a wake up call. You know, God help us if uh, an Alvin Bragg or some of these others get the same amount of votes. 
uh, boy, would that be troubling. But you may be right, Robert. You may be right. Uh, let's hope you're not <laughs> for the sake of safety in this country. Uh, let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Michael, your thoughts on line six, your thoughts. Yeah, there's another way to stop them. Number one, I'm a strong believer in defunding the police, but I love police, but I say defund them. Why? Basically, I'm going to tell you why, because basically they have become totally helpless. They're afraid to do anything because if they do, they can be prosecuted, they can be sued, their pension will be taken, their house will be taken. So what's your solution, Michael? What, anarchy? No, no, here's the solution. First of all, the police have what? Nine millimeter Glocks, nine millimeter uh, Smith and Wessons, nine millimeter Seeks. I have a 45 Desert Eagle that would definitely deter anybody from coming into my store because I would take out that gun and blow their goddamn brains out. Wow, and Michael, I, uh, you are hardcore. Uh, obviously, okay. Michael, obviously, Michael, you got to make sure that, uh, you know, that it's uh, that they were threatening you and, and doing other well, things. They were. They were. But, when when they, they smashed the store and they said they were going to kill me, it was my life or theirs. So I put four bullets into their head. And I'm sure when the other ones were the other animals, most the cockroaches that are seeing me blow one of their buddies away, they will run out of that store so quick you won't even be able to see them. This but is the but, but you know the problem is two okay. things, obviously, Michael. Um, we certainly only want people who are responsible gun owners to have guns. Uh, it's we I'm want. Licensed. Hang on, I, no, no, no. I'm not saying you're not. What I am saying is that. Uh, I would feel a lot safer as much as I'm sure you're probably uh, skilled and trained. I would prefer police officers being there at the scene. I would prefer law enforcement who are trained and appropriately trained, and that is their job. Um, and the sad thing is, uh, sadly, as we've seen, even what happened with Jose Alba when he was trying to protect himself. Remember, he got a, you know, he, he they turned on him. You know, I mean, you got to be responsible with that. We can't have like we're living in like a like a like a Bruce Willis film, you know what I mean, or a Steven Seagal film. You know, we can't have that. That that's not a safe place either. Uh, but I also I agree with your frustration. The the premise of the frustration uh, is understandable, but I'm sure there's a much more reasonable solution. Um, let's go to Morty real quick. Line seven, Morty, your thoughts real quick. Hi, hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. I just um, look. I can't get everything out in uh, in a real quick, but I'll do as best as I can. Essentially, you know, you have these these the, the historical data of of uh, minority communities going into communities of other minority communities, right? You have a lot of Asian-owned businesses and um, Jewish businesses going into these poor into these low-income communities because it's cheaper to start up a business. So. Yeah, but also, they still are spending an exorbitant amount they actually cannot afford. That's the problem when they get devastated like this Chinese restaurant, $20,000 to a small business. That is devastating. Everybody stay safe, and we need police. We need police. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.